Ocean FM Donegal Plumbing and Heating Old Lahey Road Donegal Town Suppliers of underfloor heating packages Aluminium radiators Samson and Daikin Air to water heat pumps And all your renewable needs And sponsors of the Donegal GAA Podcast oh, It's just fabulous to see him alive and up and picking her up The thing about the club is you don't choose your club <laughs> um, it's, it's like family. You want to get back out on the field. It's just uh, it's, it's in your blood, I suppose. And you just want to get out there now and get the games going again. Brian Murray, let me shake hands with you. You come in here hobbling. How are you feeling now? Oh, I'm alright. I'm alright. I tell you nothing about a couple of pints. Won't do. I'll tell you. You know. He gets a bit behind it. He launches it in. It's over the bar. The wee man from Chester. Yes, welcome to the Donegal GAA podcast with Ocean FM. Paddy McGill here, a special edition this Sunday. We took to the road on Friday night for the launch of Anthony Malloy's autobiography, a memoir on life, glory and demons. Ghostwritten by Frank Craig, a huge crowd gravitated towards the Blue Haven on Friday night. I had the pleasure of catching up with many people who in one way or another appeared in Anthony's life. I caught up with Tom Cunahan, John McConnell, Martin Rambo-Gavigan, Liam Hayes, Frank Craig, James McHugh, but first Anthony's manager in 1992, the great Brian McAniff, who kindly endorsed his former captain. It's unreal the affection that he always had. You know, he's just one big guy and he's a big heart. Truthful to the last, honest and a leader of men. That's what his great strengths are. But at the back of it, a very nice friend to have in your life. And we would converse on the phone probably every couple of weeks. So we stay in touch. And not about politics. <laughs> where, did, where did you, when did you first come across Malloy? Early 80s probably, was it? In the Sandfields in Ardra as a 17-year-old boy. He came over and he says to me, Mr. McAniff, he says, I have a bad knee. That was my introduction. I had known the brothers, uh, Connie and Lanty, from a couple of years previous when I had them in the Donegal squad, but they went off to New York, and that was the last I seen from a football point of view. But Anthony was a revelation. Like from that 17 year old, two years later, he was playing for Tom Connor and winning an All Ireland under 21. So it had to be 1980. Everybody knows about 92, but for our younger listeners, there. There might have been, uh, well, we call it a lover's tough around 91, but Mal- Mal- Malloy had retired, didn't he? And I, th- I think you get it. It's mostly praise you get in the book. There might be one or two little things about the, the bromance might have ended briefly. Well, he told me that he was doing the book. I said, make sure, Anthony, that you describe everything because it won't be a good seller unless you give them the truth. And there was a, a large-sized tiff that time. And uh, we put it behind us anyway. I approached him after an intermediate final about the and we had... As my mother would say, a lot of soldiers talking on. But he said that he'd come back after Christmas, given that how serious his knee had got, you know. And I got a different orthopaedic surgeon from in Sligo. And he, he soldiered on. But it was so sad in the end that he wasn't fit to run full on. He was running sideways, such was the pain he was feeling from that very bad knee. But what a guy. We, James, Brian McEnough, an icon of Donegal football. James, you're here tonight and... 
we've said it now 20 times tonight, the word affection. And I know me and you've often slagged, we, we all have a bit of slagging about club rivalries and that, but one thing, and you've said it on commentary when we've done them before, you were always able to put that aside when you represented Donegal. I oh, was certainly aware, Paddy, being it never, you know, it never was an issue. I mean, even Anthony, I, mean, I had the, I had the pleasure of working with Chef and Anthony. Worked together for a few years in the ESP. So, you know, I mean, you had, a, you know, you had a working relationship, you had a sporting relationship. That time, you know, I mean, the club rivalry, we had great club rivalry in the, in, in the southwest. You know, I mean, you had, you had Len, you know, they've come, Kilcar, Kelly Beggs, Ardra, who were strong at that time. You know, but I mean, it, it was, a, it was a very healthy rivalry, Paddy. You know, I mean, Anthony even spoke the other night about, you know, different things maybe for younger people listening, and this is not the ideal thing. But I mean, Anthony spoke there about going for a pint after the game I mean that was part and parcel of going you know just part and parcel of the game that time was probably when you got to know the other side of, of the opposition and it, it added a lot to the to the whole local scene but I mean the local rivalry party local rivalry is healthy in any county a club you know particularly at club level I mean even here everybody at the minute there's one in all Ireland's and even the other night the All-Stars they all reference back to their clubs you know what I mean we were lucky enough at that time like Arda were very strong Kilcar was very strong we enjoyed it the South West was very strong We that was replicated on you know on, on the, the amount of players that we had on, on you know, on the 92 team but I mean all in all Paddy listen looking back I think it's very the whole thing was very enjoyable I was chatting in Old Higgory there was long and all out that we had a few drinks there the night you know it's more enjoy you know you look back and things it's enjoyment that you get out of things more than it's not all about medals and you know it's friendship and enjoyment and meeting you know meeting people is a big thing it's lovely to be at the top table there's no starting no about it's lovely to be able to look back and to think you know that we did one all Ireland no more so than the team in you know 2012 or, or even a club team you like to win a championship but I mean there's a lot more to it than that and this is even here I think you have a lot of our draft people that we haven't seen, you know, and haven't seen in a long, long number of years. You know, and it's great to see them. You know, great old, great old girls as well. What was Anthony like to play with? Ah, he's listening. As you described him there, the a legend. You know, I mean, there is different people and come different times. You know, I suppose we go through the time of the minute. You know, if we talk about a legend, Donny Gall at the minute, you look directly go to Michael Murphy. You know, the fact of what he has done. But I mean, at our time, Anthony was somebody that you looked up to. He was a leader. You know, and that time football was probably a bit different. It was more of a physical. It was a man's game. You had to stand your corner. I mean, no better man to take. You know, no better man to hold his own in the middle of the field. You know, as you've seen him in his performance and throughout the whole of Ulster's performance in the All Ireland final that day was real, real good, real manly, but as a leader, like he was brilliant as a leader, you know, being, Anthony never asked Tiefer to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself, and I mean, this was all, be it, with a man that carried injuries, you know, from a very, very young age, and you know, and that time there wasn't the same treatment, you know, for injuries, so, I mean, you were playing, I mean, Anthony was struggling for a long number of years with injuries, but still played through a pain barrier, which even, you know, which even in fairness to Paddy, say, you know, says more about him, but as somebody, to, you know, as somebody to lead you, an absolutely brilliant leader. You mentioned already, and I'll let you go then, friendships. There's a lot of the 92 guys here that, I mean, I just wouldn't have even say, seen in seven, eight years. And like, you're standing there, you were talking to me for a couple of minutes, and people just jumping up. They want all your names on the book as well, because you just don't get to meet a huge amount. There are anniversaries here and there, but it is brilliant. Look at them looking down here at Joyce McMullen, Martin Shovlin, Noel Higgerty's here. John Joe Doherty yourself, isn't it brilliant? Ah, oh, it's great for us. Well, you know, it's great for us as well to meet. Like the fact that I'm living, up, I'm living up the road, I can walk home. It's brilliant for me. But I mean, you should do say we certainly, you know, we certainly don't meet because I know this has been very morbid about. But I mean, we're probably one of the lucky teams, you know, that maybe get, you know, that you can get an opportunity, that you get an opportunity for the full group. I mean, I know Seamus Boner, probably Lord Emerson, from the management, it's gone. But I mean, to be honest about it, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of teams who haven't, the, who will never get the opportunity. I mean, even we look ourselves into Tyrone, you know, there's a lot of teams that never get the opportunity for them to meet them. It's unfortunate 
Richie, maybe we can give out and say that probably Donegal is a bit too big to meet, but I don't think that's a good enough excuse. You know, we could meet through golf or something because you know we're all pushing, we're all pushing on about at this stage. You know, and listen, we get good enjoyments most like everybody. The most time I do meet people is at club, you know, club matches. No more so than yourself. But listen, there's no doubt, Paddy, it's great to meet here tonight. And you know, to say Tony Boyle, I don't know when I was talking to Tony and see Joyce, I haven't been chatting to Joyce shit. And it's good, it's great, it's great, it's great, it's great to meet. Like it's great to be, it's great to be able to meet. Particularly in Kilcarry. Go up and get the car and leave me home, will you? <laughs> James McHugh, wing forward, of course, on the 92 team. Donegal, under 21 manager in 1982, the first All Ireland title that came to the North West. Tom, a huge night, a huge turnout. But I would have to say that, you know, in, in all fairness, he only got what he deserved tonight because, you know, like he. He's so big a heart, and he's so, big, you know, personally, as far as I'm concerned, I th- think the sun shines on him, you know, and uh, he, w- he would be a household name in a lot of houses, especially my own, you know, like really. And uh, he, 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 he wouldn't know where to stop to help, and I would always would have felt that he was the same when he was given what he could to me as a footballer, and that's what I liked about him. And uh, I didn't, I didn't babysit him. I didn't do this. Didn't do that. Anthony had the name, and you know, the biggest problem was everybody wanted to see Anthony. It didn't matter money was on the team or anything else. Where's Anthony? Where's that? Where'd he go? And all that. And you know, the great thing about it, and I said there earlier, you know, Anthony never would have missed the training session as far as I was concerned for, for the full year. I'd have to say that, and even he, he was a, he was an ambassador as well. Even when he came to go for the senior team, uh, and uh, while a lot of the players would have changed from what the way they were and all the rest, there was no change in Anthony. And uh, had him then for three years up until '89, and uh, parted then like Brian took over. And uh, I didn't mind as long as Donegal won another All Ireland, and that he was involved in it. I suppose one of the ironies is, and you've mentioned it already and you said it on stage it's funny you and Brian McAniff get huge amount of mentions in the book everybody knew Tom Conaghan as a disciplinarian because you said before Donegal had to be but ironically you said you had no problems actually with Malloy from that side of things no I, I, I didn't uh, I, I didn't really Paddy, you know, like the whole thing I, I would have felt I, I took the job and it was a fact I probably might have been needed a little bit of luck and all the rest, and and uh, 82, you know, like the one in All Ireland and the one uh, County Championship, and then this following year maybe a, a Centenary Championship, you know, it just didn't all come of a sudden. But I, I would have felt discipline played a big part in it because I, I would have found, you know, like even from from we won All Ireland until I took over the team again in 87, that. Uh, you couldn't believe how much that changed as well. At a start again, and maybe for two or three months, and still the same thing again. And uh, you know the other thing. I was always, I always insinuated to the players, don't be worrying about anybody else, but have a respect for yourself and the supporters. Uh, and uh, yeah, things should come good for you. And you know, like at the end of the day, and but as you know yourself, and different other ones know it. As, I I look for guidance because I felt I knew something but I didn't know enough and that was from Michael Dwyer and I mean I, 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 I have no, no crumbs about it because 
even there tonight a couple of people came to me and they said they went to see Michael Dwyer two years ago in Kerry and, and they said to him uh, you know speaking and the first thing he, one of them said to him or Michael Dwyer says to him he says he's won all Ireland in 92 and he says that was Tom Cullen's team that won all Ireland and to hear things like that it's nice but it's also nice to hear you know that he would have given all he had to Donegal and himself with Kerry and all the rest because I remember even when we went down to play play them in Kerry it was the first time nearly they were beat for a long time and uh, he agreed that we would wear our county jerseys and that they would wear the Munster jerseys and that was a type of them and other than a little gift or whatever it was Michael Dwyer and myself met different times in Donegal he looked at the team and all the rest and uh, advised me on nights to train, nights not to train and we did three players and uh, no favourites and regardless whether they were uh, labourers, school teachers or whatever the case may be making no difference to them and uh, I had it in my head and you know like I've even it's been said to me by closer people to my own and all of it that uh, I, I was a bit sore of them for players maybe someone more or less nearly being married or someone getting married and to treat them the way I treat them the way I treated them and it's the only way that I knew but I didn't like because and as a result I was hoping it would happen and O'Dwyer told me that he says they'll feed into it and you'll not have no problem with them because uh, I, I did have a conversation he asked me how things were going I said to him well says I, there was a guy rang me there the other night when we were going to the training and he says to him I'll not be able to make it Tommy says because uh, I have hay to bail and all the rest and he says what did you tell him I says to him I just told him that your hay is not mine and he was there you know they just they bought it they bought into it they bought into it and Malloy became one of the key players in that 82 team, didn't he? And he almost went to the States. It would have been very easy for him to go and around that 80, 80, 81 time because so many of his brothers emigrated. So his life could have been completely different had you not came knocking on the door for him. That's right. Well, Bally, you know, like in fairness, I saw potential there because of his attitude and, and his belief when he'd be speaking to you and you, he'd look at you and... More or less, I'm not saying that I give him as much help as I give him, but more or less looking for help or advice or whatever it was. Very, very easy to work with. And, uh, you know, like uh, on occasions, you know, like for argument's sake, he says, have you a car? I says, I have a car, but you have one too. But he says, there's the keys of mine. You know, like, uh, and uh, that was the way we, that was the way we worked. Uh, and... Uh, um, many a time, you know, like uh, I, I would have to say that uh, he couldn't have done enough for me, and and it's the same thing even now on uh, council level as well, away from the football. Uh, he's one of, one of my best friends in Lifford, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I know he's been a foil. I'm independent, so uh, uh, I'm still hoping to be an independent. <laughs> I think there's a Netflix series coming because you thought you got rid of him maybe you know in the 80s and then he follows you as you said to Lefford in, in, in politics it must be great having him there though all the same it is great you know like when you, and and, and uh, he, he would come and ask me you know like what do you think or what's, what do you think's happening now and 
what, what, what's happening in a di some different area and all the rest. And I would say, Anthony, keep asking, keep looking, and you, you, things fall in line for you, you know. And from what I can gather, even listening to people now at the moment, he is working hard. He's making, he's making tracks and all the rest. And thank God, I, I think he, he's, uh, he's, he's on the road that uh, people are going to see a lot more of Anthony Malloy. The music's going to start. It's going to be blaring out. Last one, Tom, before you go. You mentioned they're asking. He, he asks for advice. A wise philosopher once says it's a great, great sign in anybody. He, you know, he, he said tonight himself. It's in the book how he seeked help when he was in trouble, and he's no shame. That in itself says a lot about his personality. While he was a big, strong, you know, alpha male on the pitch, off it, he's very humble, and there's a great air of humility there as well. Well, I, I I'd agree with you, Paddy, really, Fernand and all the rest. And, uh, and I know, you know, like, you, you have other things for doing now, but I would have always classed him as a gentle giant. He was, he was, too, he was too nice. He was too, too gentle to be anywhere else, you know. And uh, it, it was on him that he did need, and I'm not saying it was my help that helped him or anything else, but uh, we would have met and all the rest. And, you know, like... The big thing about Anthony was it didn't matter what way he was injured, what this or that other thing, he was always there at training. And uh, I don't think he made him miss maybe one or two nights of training, but he was there at the training. But uh, he could, he, he made the effort, and uh, there was nothing wrong, as you say, for, for looking for a little bit of advice. And uh, thank God he's, he, he's very, he was very successful, you know. You know, like, uh, and finishing off now at the moment, uh, and uh, you know, like, uh, I would, I would be in his corner no matter where he'd be. And the big problem that Anthony had was everybody wanted to get Anthony a pint, and you know, and that, that was, that was, that was one of the problems. And there was nothing wrong with it because I'll be honest with you, I did smoke, I never drank, I never knew the taste of it. I, I worked with a whole lot of them, and a lot of them didn't know the taste of it, but uh, that was their priority, and the, the whole thing at the end of the day, I had no problem in them taking a drink out of the cup or anything else, but I wasn't going to take one out of it. Well said. Tom Cunningham, Donegal, All-Ireland winning, under-21 manager, 1982, and there's a, there's a lot of Tom Cunningham in the book. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Delighted to be joined by a man who has soldiered with Anthony Malloy for many a year he's not a guy we hear on the radio much Martin Gavigan known as Jerry Canning said to his legions of fans at the time as Rambo Martin a special special night here in the Blue Haven for, for a special special man Anthony Malloy absolutely um all during my playing career, Anthony was always a team leader, and, it, and off the field he was always the, the gentle giant. And like my earliest memories of Anthony would be playing in that uh, under 14 championship that we won. Uh, I think that I was 11 years of age that time, and Anthony was really a giant compared to me at that stage. And all the way up along the line, Anthony was was he was always a leader, and he was always there. I remember lining up outside Devers. Anthony would be the first there, and uh, uh, Edward Malloy would be uh, his uh, taxi man most of the time. But like only for Anthony, like he inspired the rest of us sort of to get behind him, and particularly when it came to 90, 
92 uh, we were fortunate that everything sort of came together that particular year because um, everybody gave it 100% you know and uh, we're just fortunate we had no major injuries that particular year so to win anything you need a bit of luck and I think we, we, we had our bit of luck that year and like I suppose looking back it, it, it probably was it's a highlight for, for, for all of us um, but again we wouldn't have been able to do it without Anthony Malloy's influence you know because every team needs leaders and Anthony whether he's dragging his leg or not he still give it 100% so like for that we all have to be thankful and like I suppose you know when you go forward you take more time to look back and see like we were fortunate to 1-1 some people say we should have won 2 or 3 but sure we're delighted to 1-1 and, and, and the excitement and the joy that brought to everybody in Donegal around that time I suppose it gave us all a lift um, so like I'm delighted for Anthony tonight that there was a good turnout and he spoke very well something that, that I don't like doing is speaking in public I'm delighted I got you dragged here. I've asked you now about a hundred times, but you, di- you didn't say, don't, don't get me on d- dates and times and that, but Anthony Harkin was training the team that year. You were six, and of course, Malloy, we've already mentioned it, midfield. Uh, is that bit extra special when you have a couple of soldiers like that along? It must have been brilliant having... I know he was very grateful to have you there at six, but you're obviously very grateful to have him. It's great to have another club man in the county, not just squad, but actually playing. Yeah, well, midfield was always such an important area uh, in the style of football that we played that time. Kickouts generally went to the middle of the field and you had to win your fair share in the middle of the field and Anthony would definitely go for everything and if he didn't get it, he at least flattened a few more which made it easier for us to pick up the pieces. Uh, whereas I'd like to see football go back to that stage again where people would kick the ball out rather than this short uh, football that we're witnessing at the minute with uh, everybody playing as defenders and uh, you know I think it's more exciting in the past where people you know they kicked the ball out and competed for it you won some you lost some but at least it, I think it was more enjoyable you know and I, I hope now with new management coming into Donegal that we'll see a bit more positive football and uh, you know for, better for the spectators you know and encourage more young fellas into, into playing the game and staying with the game do you get to meet these lads much now, Anthony Malloy? And James McHugh said no. He said, it's just the way life goes. He says there's the odd reunion, but by and large, just people people move on. So that's why these kind of nights are, are extra special, to, to mark great people like Malloy. Yeah, people go their separate ways. They have their own families, their own interests, their own distractions. And it's great to get a night to, to, to reminisce about old times and meet friends. Because we're all fortunate that we're still healthy and we're, we're you know, and... Um, you know, it's nice to have these nights, particularly the few years there over COVID. Nobody saw anybody, but like people like supporting Anthony. As I say, he was he was our team captain all during the time I was playing, and like um, you know, you do need people like Anthony to sort of gel the team, keep everybody on side, because when you have. 20, 25 individuals everybody's not going to be happy all of the time so it's about trying to strike a balance and uh, when you have to lead by example and Anthony did that and for that we're all very grateful Last one any one particular image from 92 that you remember that just sticks out maybe between yourself and Anthony or even you and your own like in terms of you know maybe pre-match the build up the game itself was it the celebrations after was it come back to our draw you know any, any, any one particular image that 
striking that might stay with you forever? Yeah, well, I suppose it's, it's after the game when Anthony walked up to Hogan Stan and, and, and lifted Sam McGuire and like Sam was for the hills, like that there really stands out in my memory. There's a lot of, about the game that I, I haven't watched it recently, but it's still fairly clear as to what happened, when it happened in relation to the football. And I even remember Brian McAniff coming running on and giving Anthony uh, uh, instructions. And I'd say the words weren't uh, that plight, but I remember that he came running on just to give that little extra effort to try to get it over the line. So, you know, Brian deserves great credit as well for keeping everybody on side and like he, he put his life into football and I'm delighted that Brian was the man that got our first All-Ireland over the line um, because of the, the commitment and sacrifices that he made um, and trying to run a business whereas nowadays we see that these managers it's nearly a full-time job and that's the way it's gone so you sort of have to move with the times you know but like Brian McEniff deserves great credit for looking after all of us uh, you know and, and particularly Anthony as well you know so I'd like to play tribute to him for as I say for getting us over the line in 92 and like you have to be as a manager you have to be like a bit of a politician because trying to coax and uh, get everybody on side and get everybody to make a maximum effort and that's what it takes to win anything you need everybody you know putting the shoulder to the wheel and as I say there in 92 we were fortunate at training sessions Anthony Harkin laid out the training sessions but the training sessions are just as good as the effort that everybody puts in and that particular year people were competing for places and every run or sprint that we did everybody tried to win it so you know it's all about teamwork at the end of the day. Individuals don't want team sports. So, as I say, trainers like Anthony Harkin, they were brilliant. They laid out all the work for us to do, and then it's up to the players to do it. Promises the final one. Just a final word on Anthony Malloy uh, as a person. Uh, away, away, away from the, the climbing up the Hogan stand steps, uh, the three angles, Celts, the, uh, as a person. Well... Anthony, to me, is just a gentle giant. Um, he had a word for everybody. He spoke to everybody. He brought, he protected young players when they started coming into the side. He, he, he spoke to them and introduced them and looked after them. And to me, he was always a good friend. Um, as I say, Anthony said it in there tonight. After a football match, everybody would buy Anthony a drink. And that was an issue. And he said it himself. Um, and the one thing when Anthony was out celebrating you didn't let him catch you around the neck because he had a strangle hold that would hold down an elephant so that's one thing that I got wise after a few times I would always get myself protected before he would give you the bear hug (laughs) bad if he could get a good grip on you (laughs) I got wise after a bit but Anthony he didn't know his own strength that's just that he didn't know his own strength and there's a lot of boys around the country felt it over the years you know so he left his mark on a lot of boys <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of guys think they're tough one of them's beside me now Martin Gavigan as I said better known throughout his playing days as Martin Rambo Gavigan thanks for those lovely words Anthony Malloy and thanks for joining me here on the Donegal GA podcast thank you very much Paddy you did a great job Thank you. Our draft chairman, John McConnell, and known right throughout not just the county but the province, of course, was former county chairman as well. John, we're just talking to a number of guests. Book launches don't normally get big crowds, but 
you were the first up tonight, and I think you said yourself the crowd was just, if you like, admired the influence and as well as the character and the type of person Anthony was. As I said earlier, you know, it's 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 you know, Paddy, Anthony deserved a crowd, a big crowd tonight, and I was glad to see everyone turn out for him. You know, um, listen, I mean, he's, he's known all over the country and and and, and far and further afield, so there's no surprise. And hopefully now the book will go very well for him and Frank. You know, that's great to see two club men get involved in a project like this, and and I've no doubt it'll do very well. We talk about, you know, anybody that ever represents the club and they go on to play county, it's a huge, huge honour. But what was it like being an Ardra man, you know, and you, that's just a fantastic deal that Anthony didn't just represent the county, he was on a successful county team and he was the first ever Donegal man to actually lift Sam Maguire in the Hogan stand. Ah, yeah, Anthony, uh, Paddy, you know, as I said early on, it was, you know, it was a very special time to be an Ardra person, you know, it was... Um, you know, from a personal point of view, I worked with Anthony and ESP. We were working together every day, and, and there was club secretary at the time as well, and, and involved in the tickets and stuff. And you're really involved with the cold face of the whole thing, you know. And you seen, you know, what Anthony was going through in the lead up to the game, and, and uh, you were organising tickets, and you know, but the buzz was just fantastic, you know. And, and uh, we finished up, I think, on the Friday night before the match, giving out our last batch of tickets. Everybody got tickets that wanted tickets or that needed tickets, and. and uh, it was just great to be part of it, you know, and then the fact that Anthony was captain, you know, you know, we had a huge influence, obviously, Anthony was captain, Rambo was centre half back, Andy Harkin was training the team, you know, it was a big area, there are presence, you know, and, and as I said early on, you know, you can only, these, the first time is always the most special time, and, and really, you know, it was hugely, you know, it was huge for us as a club to have the captain uh, to lead the league our first all in senior title, you know, it's probably the highlight of all our of all the games that went that went past and all the times we went through in the club and there that that was the highlight really, you know. And just for our younger listeners, John, and you've already alluded to it, you know, on stage as I said you were first up. Those years in the early eighties, Anthony was a, a brilliant player, wasn't he? And won an under twenty one title against a really fancy Bally Shannon team with numerous, numerous county players back what was it nineteen eighty three, was it? That's right, Paddy. Yeah, as I say, first came on the scene in, in '76 as another 14 player, you know, and, and won the championship that year against the odds against the Unions, and, and uh, you know, it was playing senior football at 16. He he, he kind of played in the '81 uh, final, which won against four masters, but he only kind of hobbled on in the last 10 minutes because, as a gesture to have him involved, because his knee was giving him serious trouble that year, and uh, he was very unfortunate a lot of the time during his club senior career because. With injuries and county football and that kind of stuff, and we had a very good team at the time. But Kelly Beggs was a great team at the time. Kilcar were very strong. Neve Colombo were very strong. The South West really was a hotbed of football in the county at the stage. At that stage, you know, when we, you know, we couldn't. Kelly Beggs really was our bogey team a lot of the time. Late eighties, the us in the semi final in eighty eight in Towney, you know, uh, just a late goal by Manus Boyle, two point victory for Kelly Beggs. They go on to win their first championship. You know, there was. Close, you know, we won the we won the senior league in 1990, you know, but we kept coming up against Kelly Beggs and it kept, you know, we kept hitting a brick wall, you know. Um, but they obviously did a fantastic team and they won five championships. We were just unfortunate that we had a very good team at the time as well, and it cost us championships, you know. I'll always remember Nanny's last game for the club in 1994, and we we had a great team in '94 because, you know, Kelly Beggs had gone into the championship early and the chance was there to win it. And I remember never forget Anthony. We you know we had we had the older lads Anthony and Rambo and these you know we had the great players you know great club players that you know Sweeney was in goals and you know you had Ted Bresson Patrick Larry Ned Campbell Red Declan the Gavigans you know you had a heap of players you also had 
Damien Dever and the Dohertys and these boys coming along down early they'd won an under 21 championship earlier that year and there was a great buzz about the place that we could win the championship you know and, and that that day we played Niamh Columban semi-final in Fintra on a, on a baking hot day and, and Anthony was really we knew that week before the match at work he was really up for that match he 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 went out that morning, he, he sat in that morning in the house, he watched the All-Ireland final in 92 to motivate himself for the game. He knew it was going to be his last year playing club football and the knee was kind of hanging off him at this stage but he had one, one big game left in him and he went out that day and he lorded the match from the throw-in and after about 25 minutes in an accidental clash with, with Damien, Damien Gillespie, he broke his collarbone and as a result you know, Glenn ended up winning the game I think it was 3-9 to 1-12 and our chance was gone and I'll always say you know to everyone when we've been chatting about great Ireland teams in the past that the team that day was probably the best team we ever had that never won a championship because we had so many kind of players that would make an all-time an all-time Ireland 15 on playing that day and uh, you know it was just one of them things Anthony just didn't get the break that day and you know it would have been a great way to finish off his career to win the championship that year and we had a good enough team to win it that year and just just once Anthony went off things kind of fell fell for us fell badly for us after it and even though the game was close to the wire and it was kind of the year that Paddy Higgery was unmarkable that time he was he was really on fire and and Glenn just nipped us in the end they got three goals and, and they, they went on to the county final then you know so that was the one day that we'd probably one of his biggest regrets at club level was that day that the day against Glenn in the 84 semi-final that he broke his collarbone and just couldn't finish the game and we, there was no question about it the way he was playing it was going to be a one-way traffic you know that day Finally, Jordan, no, you need to go when it's very late. That's Anthony as the footballer. Anthony is the person. Alison, Paddy, like, you know, I know Anthony since he was a young fellow, we were a young fellow looking up at him, you know, playing for Ardra and stuff. And, you know, it was always that, you know, we were young lads, 13, 14 years of age, Anthony was maybe 19, 20. And, you know, you know it was always about what's Malloy at these days. You know, did you see Malloy's new car? You know, I remember one time that he bought, you know, he was always, he went through a lot of cars at that stage, you know, in his life. And, and, uh, I remember one time there was there was he bought a he bought a it was a Mark II Cortina a purple Mark II Cortina with a vinyl roof it was a sixteen hundred GT it was a lovely real classy car kind of a sporty type car at the time it was a talk of the place at the time he was only about nineteen or twenty at the time but uh, I remember one day anyway Jesus I met him in the town and he was driving something else an old banger or something I said Jesus Andy what happened that what happened to Cortina he says ah he says. He says, Catherine was, was learning to drive at the house, she says, and she reversed into the side of the house. <laughs> and that was, that was the end of the cartina. But, uh, you know, listen, you know, there was so much more, Danny, than, than the football, you know, really. And as I say, probably knowing him through, you know, working with him and, and, and knowing him as a friend over the years. And there was plenty of, plenty of rows, plenty of great times. And, you know, but they'll always be remembered fondly, you know. All of our older listeners will definitely know Liam Hayes. Our younger listeners should still know him. Twice All Ireland winner with me in 1987 and 1988. And he is, of course, the publisher. Liam, uh, you do this, I think you said to me backstage earlier, publish about 25 to 30 books a year. Um, so can I ask you, why Anthony Malloy? Yeah, we publish books in, in uh, here and in the UK, Paddy, and we... Um, uh, and we, um, you know, we, we look for people who are heroes, people who have achieved, and people who have never had their memoirs written, and 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 that's why Anthony Malloy. I mean, Anthony Malloy's story should have been written 30 years ago, should have been written 25 years ago, should have been written 20 years ago. Anthony obviously wasn't ready. Um, 
you know, his book tells his own story. You know, it's, it's like the story of uh, climbing to the mountaintop and then the painful descent. And we all know the descent in life, in sport, is the hardest part. Um, so Anthony wasn't ready, but... When I phoned Anthony two years ago, I said, listen, you know, I want to write your story. I want to publish your story. I want people to read your story. And, uh, and thankfully, he was receptive uh, because I knew it was going to be a huge story. Someone said before in Ireland, though, given the nature of Ireland, it's, it's not as urban, I say, as England where you have big cities. But in Ireland, everybody knows everybody. And I've read Jason Byrne's book with Martin McHugh. They're both actually personal friends of mine. And I remember Martin saying the same thing. That cannot be easy, though to tell to reveal these stories these demons this and and your your publishing group you know hero books it's fantastic how do you convince people like anthony or martin or anybody to, to write this because it can't be easy well i well i sit down i sit down with them and i tell them why they should do it and i say to people i say to anthony you know there should be five six seven good reasons why you want to do this so let's walk let's talk through them you know let's talk, let's look at five or six seven good reasons why you want to do this and and we normally find six or seven good reasons. You know what I mean? There's always good reasons to put your story into, into a book and present it to other people. Like, Donegal is a rich, brilliant sporting community. It's a, it's a community of people who love their football team, first and foremost. But Donegal is no different than Stoke. We were in Stoke last week publishing a book of the, of the man, Eric Skeels, who has the most caps in the history of Stoke City. And Stoke is 100, 150,000 people passionate about that jersey. No different to Donegal. So that's what we do, Paddy. We visit communities. We want to present to communities like Stoke, like Donegal, like Limerick, like Kerry, Waterford, where we've books in all these places this year. We want to give these people a book that they can be proud of. As I said earlier, the previous generation will remember it. The next generation will be inspired by this story. So they're very important books. And, uh, you know, and for us to publish them tonight here in Donegal, in Stoke, we're in Kerry next week. You know, we're giving communities a book that they are waiting for. Historically in Ireland, there's never enough sports books written and published. You'd have a situation in Donegal where you might have to wait four or five years for a big star player to retire and maybe he'll write his book. Donegal people will love this book, but Donegal people would love a good book every single year. It's who they are. They follow the team. You know, it's in their heart. You know, and, and uh, they're going to love Anthony's book. I said earlier uh, to you on stage, this is one of the best books that I have ever published. I edited the book myself because it's honest, it's courageous from the heart, it's from a, from a hero of the past, but it's written with an absolute emotion that's coming right from the present day. It's a brilliant book. And it's different, it's unique as well, isn't it? Fantastic book. Frank Craig did a great job on it. I didn't. I, I didn't give. I gave him some broad advice on, on what I would expect, and then he presented me a manuscript that was brilliantly written, polished. Frank's a great wordsmith, uh, and he gave me a book that was was surprised me in how it was written and how it was structured. It was structured brilliantly, and there's some personal recollections and personal thoughts from Anthony that are absolutely not just revealing but inspiring. And it's going to be a really. I said to Anthony earlier tonight. He's going to get a huge response from people all over the country to this book because people are going to resonate with it. They're going to understand exactly who's speaking to them and that he's been honest with them. A lot of sports books, especially big sports books that modern-day sports people who retire, they do it for a quick book. They do it not to be honest. This is 100% honesty, and that's why it's a great book. You're a great man, Liam Hayes, Heroes Books. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Donegal GAA podcast. And I know I speak on behalf of everybody in Donegal. Thank you for everything that you've done for both Frank and Anthony. Thank you, Paddy. It's a pleasure. 
Yes, the final part here of the Donegal GAA podcast. Frank Craig, the ghostwriter. We've spoke with Brian McInniff, James McHugh on the show here, Tom Conaghan, Martin Rambo Gavigan, Liam Hayes, and John McConnell, and they've all used very similar terms. The, the word affectionate has been used about 25 times. Frank, what a turnout for a book launch. I brilliant, Paddy. Absolutely overwhelmed. Obviously, like uh, Anthony, just you know the main man and the centre of attention. It's just brilliant to see the, as you say, the support and just the the appreciation for Anthony. And it, it, like it is kind of funny how we kind of just like a nostalgia of ninety two really there this evening. Like the amount of people just from. Um, you know, all walks of life and all just generations uh, coming up here this evening and traveling from far and wide. No, just really, really appreciative of it. Uh, and kind of, you knew it would be that way anyway because of Anthony. And uh, no, just delighted hey, t- for it to have gone so well and really appreciative as well, to tell you the truth, Paddy. We'll get to Anthony in a second, but he did say on stage at the end, he said there was nobody he trusted more with the book. So it must be extra special for you, though, and I know we spoke down the years that, like, you always, you know, wanted to write a book, and Liam Hayes was full of praise for you, but, you know, what a wordsmith you, you are, but to write one about, I suppose, one of our own, is that bit extra special? Because you and I are not far off in age. This guy beside us was just a living legend in our own parish. I like, in fairness, I was saying to somebody, like, in 1992, I was probably 10 years of age, so... And he was probably up there beside uh, John Barnes and Hulk Hogan and Mike Tyson on my bedroom wall. So, and maybe Pamela Anderson as well, because Baywatch had just come on the scene. But no, it, Paddy, it was uh, brilliant, to be fair. Like, it, just a process of it. And we didn't, like, we had no expectations or we had no kind of... I was chatting to Peter Campbell last week just about, you know, writing for, like, the most you might ever write in terms of word count for maybe a double page spread on a paper would be 2,000 words and sometimes you like that's a lot to fit and you know like you could ring up an individual and probably get a whole career's worth out of 2,000 words but I suppose on 80,000 words and all that and like you're kind of wow like you know we have to go right back to the beginning and then move it through to the end and it's funny how kind of it kind of and end up the layout it kind of segue in between you know moving back and forth and different things and you know, maybe starting at a very low point in 1991 when Anthony found himself frozen out of the team Martin shoveling as well and then just amazing redemption like less than 12 months later to be left in Sam Maguire it was kind of like an unbelievable kind of turnaround and uh, just to see like like as you say all those 92 boys here the night as well and how appreciative they still are and how close they still are no it was really really nice party Liam Hayes said this book is going to sell big 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 I delighted, like absolutely delighted in the reception in there the night. And a couple of ones kind of had kind of got it already. It was apparently in shops there as early as yesterday. So no, just listen, delighted people turned out for the night and delighted people kind of give such support to it too. And just as you say, like it was a club thing here the night as well with John McConnell, Steve McCall, and so many good kind of our drag gales as well. So not a really enjoyable night, Paddy, and uh, really appreciative of the support everybody give us. Okay, so lovely fitting words there from all of our guests. Anthony did address the large turnout at the end of the night, and here is what the Ardram man had to say. First of all, uh, just I am overwhelmed by such a big turnout tonight here in the Bluehaven, and, and uh, I know there's people here uh, from all over the county, and there's people here from all over the country, all, all over outside the county as well, like, and, and uh, 
you know, um, just a massive thank you, uh, you know, for your support and not uh, old tonight, uh, and the PM base as well. Uh, I, always, I always carry massive support for some reason or other, <laughs> and that's in the book, like, but uh, yeah, look at uh, just thank you, like, for turning up in such great numbers tonight, and you know, um, this was a something that I thought about often, and uh, and then I told to the back of my mind because uh, you know how can I go back 50 years? I would I have the memory for that? And uh, and uh, suddenly out of the blue, uh, way over a year ago, I got a call uh, from the big Hayes, and um, we spoke about '92 and you know the great year and, and the history we made and. Uh, the MC is you know, it's not it's, it's be 30 years, I think, like, I think now it's the time. And, you know, I think Liam would not be mind that uh, on that particular phone call. And, uh, and but, you know, there's another factor there as well, like, um, I've known Liam, uh, I've played against him, and um, he, he was a, a journalist, uh, a publisher. Uh, he, he was also in the dressing room, he knew all about dressing rooms and uh, what was on there. And, uh, I knew he was a man for the job straight away, and uh, I trusted him, and uh, that started it. And uh, then, suppose following up on that, who do I get? And uh, there's only one man for that, obviously, and uh, Ray Frank Ray there. Yeah. Um, like I can't thank Frank enough, you know, and uh, you know, he'll come to my house and, and uh, we'll have a cup of tea. Uh, you turn on the tape, lay right back on the sofa, and uh, I would wrap it away. And, uh, I very little do this, by the way. I just told my story, but uh, you know, Frank then had to go back like, and, and uh, you know, put all this together. Like, and and uh, to be fair, there's a lot, a lot of work on that. And I had many, many hours um, that Frank put into my project. Like, but, and the, and the other thing, I wouldn't want to do. I wouldn't want to do this with anybody else anyway. And uh, also, it would have been impossible to do it without Frank. That's the two main factors there. Like, and, uh, I trusted Frank. I trusted Liam, and that's how the book came around. Well, I can kind of worry say Liam and Anthony. If there's one man you can trust, Frank Reid. I have tortured him for a couple of quotes, a few screenshots, not a chance, he said. So, fair, you know, fair play to him. But Anthony, just all joking aside, though, already briefly touched on it with Frank. It's very hard in rural Ireland when you know everybody. Though. Look, and it, it would be easy to come out and talk about the three Anglo Celts and the various you know, championships in Donegal, New York, or whatever. You do have the, the term demons there as well. And you speak, you speak, and you know, he's right so candidly about that. How hard was that? First of all, like, uh, and regard, I want to welcome the, there's a lot of unique to that see the night as well that I haven't seen. Uh, I'm sorry uh, I didn't uh, welcome you earlier on there, but uh, look at uh, it's probably covered in the book, and, and you know, the, the, uh, there was a huge drink culture, uh, as everybody knows, in my time. And uh, after a club game, like you went to the, you went to the pub, uh, after a county game, you went to the pub. And, uh, Stayed there from closing time, maybe, maybe not, but most of the time. And then you're out on the following day, uh, being as hard as we were, and you ran it up. 
and that was it. Like, and um, but for me, like, uh, and probably my nature as well, like, uh, I thought that I had kind of friends with everybody in the book, right? And uh, uh, you know, and friends would become from all angles. And uh, but that's the way it was. Uh, uh, my pain days, and then when I retired, uh, you know, I definitely was not. Uh, I wasn't prepared. Was not uh, absolutely not prepared uh, to retire. Uh, I'm hoping this up, and uh, I'll always remember. You remember days like I'll always like remember until I die, like the day of the Sam. But I also remember the day that I retired as well. I was taken off against a good Tyrone side uh, in '94 uh, in Breffney, and then I knew that was it for me. Like and. Uh, so I, I had no choice, I retired from Clubman County like the one day and, and uh, so all of a sudden, uh, you know, from uh, leading a sort of disciplined life and uh, I knew nothing else, only football like to uh, a week of having nothing to do, you know, missing training Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and playing the games maybe also during the week and I missed the lads as well and uh, so uh, I, I did find myself heading across the town like, and uh, I was probably lonely as well at the time, and uh, because there was a huge vacuum uh, that I was not prepared for here. And uh, as I said, like at the time, I, I wasn't a golfer at the time, I wasn't cycling at the time, and I could do all that later. But in gaps here and there, like, and, and that's the way it was. Like, and and, um, like, and uh, I did find uh, myself in a, in a dark place for a while, and, and uh, but I found help. And uh, I listen to a lot of good people, and I took a lot of good advice. And uh, I got through that practice, and uh, I'm glad I'm here tonight. Like I'm so happy with life tonight. Yeah, brilliant speech there from the 1992 Donegal captain. And just a reminder, Anthony Malloy, a memoir on life, glory and demons is now available in most bookshops. The ebook is also now available on Amazon and it's also available in a number of stores right throughout the Northwest. I would also just like to add that Anthony will be doing some signings in the following bookstores for Masters on Saturday the 12th of November, Bookmark Letter Kenny on Saturday the 19th of November, and Novel Ideas in Ballyshannon on Saturday the 26th of November. He will confirm at times in the coming weeks. That's it for this week's show. A big shout out to Austin O'Callaghan on production. Our sponsors, Donegal Plumbing and Heaton, Old Lahey Road in Donegal Town. A special shout out to our guests and to you, our loyal listeners. We will talk to you very shortly. Bye for now and have a lovely weekend. FM. Donegal Plumbing and Heating, Old Lahey Road, Donegal Town. Suppliers of underfloor heating packages, aluminium radiators, Samson and Daikin air-to-water heat pumps and all your renewable needs. And sponsors of the Donegal GAA podcast.